thank you for all of you who are joining us a little bit later today. Um, and as you know, I just wanted to, to preach today. This is kind of going to be a one-off sermon. So after, not next week, the following week, um, we're going to start a new sermon series. Not today, not next week, uh, but the following week after that. So this is kind of a one-off sermon um, based really on my daily scripture reading. So uh, for, for a couple, for about, about two months, about a month or two ago, I was reading through Galatians. Um, and I really, there was this one passage that kind of really stood out to me that I wanted to dig a little deeper into, um, just so that I can have a deeper spirituality, uh, but also so that I can share with you all some of the things that I learned. And that passage that kind of stuck out to me in my daily scripture reading, it was from Galatians chapter 5, uh, verses 1 to 7. I think this passage has a wonderful meaning for us as a church, um, especially as a Lutheran church. Now, for those of you who might not be too familiar with Lutheranism or with church history, uh, the Catholic Church, basically, since Christ, um, has kind of held the reins to our Christian faith for several thousands of years. Uh, but in the early 1500s, something began to change. In an Augustinian monastery in Erfurt, Germany, a young Martin Luther, he began to wrestle with some pretty heavy questions and feelings that kind of weighed him down, that kind of shackled him. And so every moment of every day, uh, Luther felt his sin kind of weigh down on him like a sack of bricks. He was always filled with doubt. He was always filled with grief. He was always filled with this sort of spiritual despair. Um, he wasn't sure. This is kind of crazy to believe, right? He wasn't sure if he was saved or not. And so he would constantly go and confess his sins to the priest several times a day until basically his confessor was like, you know, Luther, you, you got to calm down here. Like, you, you're seeing me like five times a day. Like, please, please calm down. But the thing is, despite the fact that Luther confessed his sins multiple times a day, every single day, he was still worried. What if there was something he didn't confess? What if, he, what if he just died that night and spent the rest of eternity in hell, right? That was his biggest fear, actually. And on top of that, he, he saw that the Catholic Church, they were also selling indulgences where you can basically pay your way to reduce the punishment of your sins, which was something that Luther did not agree with the slightest. And so for, for Martin Luther, he saw that there was something incredibly wrong, something, something missing within the Catholic Church's theology, and Martin Luther just wasn't quite sure what that was. And so one day, while, while Luther was studying through the book of Romans, while Luther was doing his own daily Bible readings, um, God stopped Luther in his tracks in Romans 1.17, where Paul writes this. He says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith that key word, the, right, that right, the righteous people shall live by faith. And when Martin Luther read this, something transformative began to happen in his life. He began to understand that salvation and righteousness, it's not something that we can achieve through human works. It wasn't achieved by how many times someone goes to confession or by how much money you know, someone spends on indulgences. Rather, salvation is a free gift given by God and it is received through faith alone. It is received through trusting in God alone. And I think for us as modern-day Christians, you know, this is no surprise, right? We, we've heard this since day one, since, you know, since the time we came into this world. But imagine for Martin Luther how transformative this message actually was. 
right? Because if you think about it, for thousands of years, for centuries, and also for decades of Martin Luther's own life, he has been shackled down by works righteousness. He believed that he had to earn salvation. But how can we, who are trapped in sin, begin to earn it, right? And so for years, you, you know, you can, if you were to imagine yourself as Martin Luther, right? Years, you're just trapped in the slavery of works. You're trapped in the slavery of sin. You want to do good, but you can't do it consistently. Every morning, you wake up, you fail. Every night, you look back at your day, and the only thing you see is your own shortcomings. You're way down. You're trapped in the darkness of sin with no way out. But then, the light shines into your mind. Salvation is freely given to us through God's grace. Not anything that we can do ourselves. The only way to accept this free gift is through faith, through believing and trusting this message from the gospel, that you're radically freed from sin, that you're radically freed from slavery of works righteousness. And I think the most encouraging part of Luther's story is that even though he was questioned and pressured by the Roman Catholic Church to kind of recant his belief, you know, to basically turn back, Luther said something that kind of echoed, that echoes this passage that we're going to be reading a little bit here today. Luther said this when he was confronted by the Roman Catholic Council. He said this, I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not retract anything since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. Luther having found true freedom in Christ's grace, he refused to return back to the shackles of ritualistic practices that, in his view, enslaved so many. And so as we dive into our passage today from Galatians, I want to encourage you to reflect on this theme of freedom, this freedom that Christ gives us. And so with that said, why don't we take a look at our passage today from Galatians 5, verses 1 to 7. And it reads this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Like that's, you know, if, if you follow the law, that is. And again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from his grace. For through the Spirit, we eagerly wait by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith. Faith expressing itself through love. You're running a good race who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? And so as we look at our passage today, I think one of the, the first things we read is that it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And I think as, as an American, you know, we, we all love the word freedom, right? It's baked into our culture. It's baked into our DNA. But what exactly is freedom? I've taught this multiple, countless times to the youths, and I'm pretty sure I've preached on it like four times with you guys, but I'll preach on it again because it is such a basic and important concept in our Christian faith, freedom. What is freedom? I think if you were to go out in the streets and ask a random person, hey, what is freedom? 
um, they'd normally say roughly the same thing, right? The freedom to do what I want. The freedom to say what I want to say, believe what I want, want to believe, do what I want to do. I'm free to, that's the key word, I'm free to do X, Y, and Z. But is this the freedom that scripture speaks of? And more importantly, is this the freedom that Christ gives us, the freedom to do whatever we want? And I think for those of you who are a little more mature in your faith, you have this gut reaction saying, like, no, absolutely not. That's, that's not the freedom that Christ has given us. He has not given us, given us the freedom to do whatever I want. So what exactly is this freedom that Paul is speaking of? Well, you see, throughout the entire Bible, when the idea of freedom is presented, it's always freedom from. Freedom from instead of a freedom to. For some of you, like I said, you might have heard this a billion times, and I'm beginning to sound like a broken record, but think about it again for a moment, right? In the Old Testament, the Israelites were freed from slavery in order to be brought into the promised land, and in the New Testament, Christ has set us free from two things. The first thing he has set us free from is we're set free from the sin that lives in our hearts that leads to death, both physically and spiritually, right? That's the message of salvation that all of us Christians have learned and heard. But not only does Christ set us free from sin, but Christ also sets us free from the law. What's so significant about that? I think throughout human history, one of the biggest lies we have told ourselves is that we are essentially good people who occasionally do bad things. Does anyone believe that? That we, by our nature, in our nature, we are good people who occasionally do bad things. I think that's a lie. And I think the reason we tell ourselves this lie is because we, if we actually take any sort of time and look into our hearts, we actually see the very opposite truth, that we are actually all terrible people who occasionally do good things. Think about it for a moment. Think about how much effort it takes to do the right thing or how much effort it takes to resist temptation. If we are by nature good, then why is living this moral life so extremely difficult and so burdensome? And so if we really come to grips with reality and examine our hearts and our minds objectively, we come to two very uncomfortable truths about who we fundamentally are as people. We come to the realization that first, we are far more wicked than we can ever imagine, and second, we are also totally incapable of consistently doing good all the time. And so what results from this very bleak diagnosis of the human nature is this, that either A, we are constantly plagued by our sinful nature. We're constantly plagued by anxiety and depression like Martin Luther, right? We think that there is no hope. We think that life is some sort of eternal struggle and that suffering is all there is in life, right? That's, that's the first, <laughs> first part, you know, if, if we fall into this sort of despair. Or, you know, after receiving this bleak diagnosis, B, we're just like, you know what, forget this. I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to do whatever I want, indulge in whatever I want, do whatever I want, the issue is, even if we choose the second option, the freedom to do whatever I want, at the end of the day, when you're finally alone with your thoughts, either in the shower or in bed, you begin to question, you really begin to wonder, is this really all there is in life, right? 
when the fun and games are over and the reality of the wickedness in your heart begins to kind of bubble back up to the surface, you begin to realize you have an unsolved problem, that no amount of free living to do whatever you want, no amount of free living will actually bring you joy and life. And this is the reality of God's law. He has written his law into the hearts of all people so that everyone realizes just how far they have fallen short of what is expected from them. They see that they are convicted. They see they are not good, that they are really sinners. Not too long ago, I had a, had a conversation with a non-Christian friend, and I think like somewhere along the line, we, we ended up on the topic of trying to be a good person. And he told me that he always lives in this sort of anxious state of mind because he's so worried that, that the smallest action he might make might cause harm to someone else. And if that person is hurt, maybe that person hurts someone else, and that person hurts someone else. And then he, he's just always thinking like, oh my gosh, like, have I brought suffering into this world through, through this one action? And so he would just constantly just watch his own actions, watch his own actions, trying not to bring suffering into this world, trying not to do evil. And so I asked him, after he told me that, I was like, man, aren't you so tired? Because what he didn't realize was that he was actually enslaved to sin, and he was enslaved to the law in his heart. And he, of course, replied, he was like, yeah, man, like, you have no idea how tired I am. And so from there, I began to tell him the true freedom that is found in Christ. We are first, we are first freed from our sins through the cross. Christ has paid for every single sin, past, present, and future. And so through Christ's death, we are finally first freed from all the guilts of our past, right? All the baggage that we used to carry. We're freed from all the awful things we have done. But not only that, but for me, one of the most deeply transformative aspects of Christ's freedom from sin is that we are also forgiven right now in this present moment and in the future to come. And what this means for me is that every mistake I make, every sin that I commit, I immediately realize and I say to myself, Christ has paid for this too. And it's extremely freeing because yes, I have done something wrong, I have done something bad, but the guilt and the shame have been removed. It no longer lingers in my mind. Now, of course, does this mean that, you know, like I can now do whatever I want with no guilt and no burden, right? Of course not, right? Paul makes that point earlier in Romans 6 where he says, shall we sin so that grace may abound? No, right? That's not what we should do. But what it means to be forgiven in the present and in the future is that not only am I no longer burdened with guilt, no longer burdened with shame, but through Christ's blood, I am now allowed another opportunity to walk in righteousness. And it's crazy if you think about it. Every moment you sin, you are allowed another opportunity to walk in righteousness. Always. See, the thing is, the entire world without Christ never has this opportunity. They're forced to live with their guilt. They're forced to live with their shame. Each day, they pile on more and more. They think they can make up for it by being better people, but then they fall again, day after day. More guilt, more shame, more suffering. But through Christ's blood, we are freed from that permanently, every single day, 
every single moment, we can receive Christ's forgiveness and finally set ourselves on the path of righteousness. However, as I mentioned earlier in our sermon, not only does Christ set us free from sin, but he also sets us free from the law. Uh, but it doesn't exactly mean what we normally think it means. I think most people, myself included, back then, when I heard this, like, what, freed from the law? What, what does that mean? Like, again, I could do whatever I want, right? Is, is, that, is that what it means to be free from God's law? No, that's actually not what it means. To be freed from God's law means that you are freed from your identity as a sinner. See, for thousands upon thousands of years, God's law saw, served not only as some sort of moral or righteous guide, right? It's not just that, you know, it served more than just giving us, you know, things to do, but it actually served, more importantly, as a mirror. God's law served as a mirror. Because the only way we know we are sinners is because we have something to measure against, and so when we see the true function of the law isn't just to tell us what to do, but the real function of the law is to expose the inherent sinfulness inside us and reveal to us that we are by nature awful people, then when we are freed from this aspect, then the law no longer holds us captive. For us, it means that there is a complete transformation of our identity. We are released from constantly seeing ourselves as sinners, but when we truly receive the message of the gospel, it is this, that in God's eyes, we are seen as righteous. And it's, it's actually absolutely crazy if you think about this, that God sees you as righteous. Even while you sin, God sees you as righteous. I've been reading through the book of Proverbs throughout the past few weeks, and there's countless numbers of verses about how God searches our hearts, right? Even in the Psalms, about how God searches our hearts. If you look through the entirety of Scripture, we see that theme over and over again, that God looks into our hearts. And for us as Christians, I think sometimes it fills us with fear because when we look into our hearts, all we see is that wickedness inside of us. But God, in his infinite wisdom and insight, when he glances into your hearts, what do you think he would see? The crazy message we receive about freedom from the law is that because all of our sins, past, present, and future, are wiped away, when God searches your hearts, all he sees is holiness, is righteousness. There's a remarkable story I, I recently heard of a wonderful sister in Christ. Uh, her name is Margaret's. Uh, Alacoque. She lived in France in the 1600s. And through some miracle, she, she had this vision of Christ where he revealed to her how much he loved her and how much he loved the world. And the tail end of, of this vision of Christ, you know, with, this, with her conversation with Christ, Christ told her to seek a certain priest. His name was Claude de la Colombier uh, for mentorship. And so Margaret, he, she went to Father Claude, and Claude, he was like, what are you crazy? <laughs> like, what do you, like, what do you mean you saw Christ? Like, like, he thought it was completely bogus. He thought she was just making things up. And so Claude asked her, if you see Jesus again, do me a favor. Ask him, what was the last sin I confessed? So Margaret was like, okay. So she went back home, and after a few days, she came back to Father Claude. And Father Claude asked him, well, why are you back here? And she said, well, Father, Jesus did appear to me again, and I was actually able to ask him your question. 
And you can probably imagine the horror on Father Claude's face. Wow. <laughs> As his like, most deepest and private sins were, were about to be revealed. And so Father Claude asked Margaret, so uh, what did Jesus say? And Margaret said, well, he said, I don't remember. Isn't that fascinating? I don't remember. This is what it means to be set free from the law and to be completely transformed in Christ. God, in his infinite mercy, has chosen to forget our sins, to wipe our slates clean, and to see us not as we are, but to see us as who we are in Christ, as holy, blameless, and righteous. This means that those endless whispers saying to you that you're not worthy enough, you're not good enough, all of those whispers are silence. And in its place, we hear the roaring declaration from God that you are holy, that you are my child whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. Brothers and sisters, do you recognize how profound this freedom is? We are freed from our past sins. We are freed from our past identity. But the crazier, crazier thing for me is right now, at this very moment, you have the opportunity to completely set yourself free once again. If you've been trapped by sin, if you've been trapped by false images or false identities that you believe that, you know, that's, you know, sorry, or false identities that are enslaving you, you can literally be set free from that at this very moment if you completely give your life to Christ, to trust through faith in the fact that you are completely saved, to trust in the fact that God sees you as completely righteous. There's nothing you need to do to earn it. You know, we've obviously tried our entire lives and we failed. This is something that we can receive through faith alone, through trusting in what Christ has done for us on the cross and what he promises to us through his resurrection. So brothers and sisters, why don't, we, why don't we just come together for a time of prayer to truly receive this message of faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we want to thank you today that through your son, not only are we freed from the guilt of our sins, but we are also freed from sin itself freed from our identity as sinners, and today, Lord, we rededicate our lives to you. Father, teach us, instruct us. Do not allow ourselves to be enslaved to anything. Do not, do not, do not allow us to try to work for your salvation. Do not let us try to be good people. In fact, in reality, you already see us as good, so let us receive that true identity. Father, it's such a blessing that if you search our hearts today, you declare and that you see that it is righteous. So let us accept it. Let us live it out. Let us drop our past. Let us reshape our present so that we can live a life of true freedom in that very next second. Freed from guilt, freed from shame, freed from sin. So Father, we just receive this free gift from you through faith. We love you and we praise you. In your most precious son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.